0: How are you doing this morning? Good. Um, be uh, reading out of the story of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, is where we'll be this morning. You want to turn there in your Bibles, but before we go ahead and jump in, I'm just going to do a quick prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, we just welcome your presence here as we get into your word. And I pray, Father, that you will just anoint me to deliver the message which you have spoken to me this week. May I deliver it accurately and according to your plan that for you to receive the glory father we pray this in your son Jesus name amen Amen. so 2nd Kings chapter 5 where we read about Naaman you know the story of his healing Um, there are several different lessons in this uh, story but we're going to focus on a couple we're going to focus on the witness and we're going to focus on Naaman's response Um, and um, before we start I am reading out the NASB um, I know Kyle preaches out of the NSV, which I will be getting one of those just for uniformity purposes, um, but I am in the NASB, and most of your Bibles will translate uh, Aram as Syria, which is 100% accurate, because uh, the Arameans, they are actually descendants of the Amorites and ancestors to the Syrians, um, and just an interesting historical side note, uh, the language that Jesus would have spoke Aramaic actually derived from the Arameans, and so as we begin here let's start with uh, verse 1. Now Nahum captain of the army of the king of Aram which is Syria was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior but he was a leper. Look at that. Nahum had a lot of things going for him. He's a general of the army, had favor with the king. You know, we'll see in a few verses later, the man had wealth, so he had power. But, notice it says, but he was a leper. He was still defined by his issues that he had going on. You know, and I don't know how many people have ever researched leprosy, but uh, it's a pretty bad disease. You know, it still exists today. Um, They still have leper colonies in places like India and such. Um, But basically what it is, your skin would start off kind of red, then it would go white. Then it eventually starts flaking and scaling back. It can actually, uh, you know, basically deteriorate your, your fingers and, and toes and such. And uh, it makes you, it deforms your face, too, to a term that they call lion's face. It actually begins to have bulgings above the, the eyebrows and your cheeks and stuff. So it's, it's a nasty thing. And so everywhere he went, even though he was such a great man, did these great things, a great warrior. Notice it says, but he was a leper. He was still defined by the issues that he had going on. You know, and in, in the, you know, the, he wasn't under the Levitical law here, but if you were a Jew under Levitical law and you had leprosy, you had to shout it wherever you went, walking down the street, unclean, unclean. You know, so leprosy, it's no joke. It's a serious issue. Now, the Arameans had gone out in, in bands and taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. So look at that. Here he is. And notice how the Lord had given the victory to Aram, you know, or Syria. You may say, why would the Lord do that? Well, you got to think about the time when this is taking place. You know, God's still judging the nation of Israel. You know, he's still chastising them, trying to bring them back. And just as God said he would, he used other nations to do that. And so that's one reason why the Lord had given Naaman victory. So they've taken this little girl captive, and he's, uh, she's basically became Naaman's wife's slave. But Verse 3 here. This is the girl speaking. She said to her mistress... I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. Look at that. I think we see an outstanding example of faith here in this little girl. You know, she's unnamed. Um, you know, we don't, but she really plays the key factor in the Naaman's encounter with God that brings his healing. Um, she isn't named here, but she, we see here where she wishes that Naaman was with the prophet. So we see where no matter what circumstances that we're going through, we can still be used as a witness for God. You know, even in her circumstances. I mean, think about it. She's taken slave, you know, and yet she's still being a witness. And, and why do I say that? Because verse 4, when Naaman went in and told his master, he's talking about the king, saying, thus and thus spoke the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him 10,000 talents, 10 talents of silver and 6,000 shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. So back in verse 4, when it says, Thus and thus said the girl, that thus and thus, some translations say thus and so, what she said, I don't think it was just one simple statement, you know, that was made and name was like, all right, I'm going to go. I think she was probably witnessing over a period of time. She probably spoke about God's character, about how God interacted through the prophets, about, you know, uh, everything that God stood for. She probably gave uh, testimonies to what God had done in the past for, the, for his people. Maybe even spoke about, you know, Moses and all that went on then. So even though she was taken captive, she was still being a faithful witness no matter her circumstances that was she was in. You know, and, and that that kind of tells me, you know, no matter where we can find ourselves, we can still serve a purpose for God. We can still be a witness for him because uh, her circumstances are probably about as low as they can go. You know, she was taken captive. Uh, But she still cared enough to speak up. She still um, had faith enough to believe that, hey, God would heal this man. And and I think we kind of see a little bit of Naaman's character, too. I I don't think he was uh, an evil man, so to speak, because, you know, uh, she obviously cared that he got healed. uh, So she was compassionate towards him in in some form or matter. So the thus and thus, I think she probably spoke pretty often about God, and his character, how he acted. Enough for even the king to say, all right, Naaman, Go ahead and go. So we see her response here. Now let's go with verse 6. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now, as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Look at this, verse 7. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending? Word to me to cure a man of his leprosy, but consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. Look at that. His response was in fear and panic. You know, he's like, oh, this is a trap. He's telling me to heal this guy. I ain't going to heal him, and he's going to send his armies back down here and and go ahead and clean us out. Well, I think uh, that's a uh, very stark contrast compared to the girl's faith back in verse 3 to the king of Israel. Faith here. He, he went in pure panic. He he didn't even think about God. He didn't even think about God's prophet. You know, he didn't even consider it as an option. He just immediately assumed it was a, a trap. The king of Israel at this time is actually um, Jehoram. You know, you can read about Jehoram. Second uh, Kings isn't necessarily written chronologically. I think you can read about him if I'm not mistaken. I think it's chapter eight. Um, Jehoram was a, was a wicked king. Uh, he worshipped Baal. He didn't even consider God. And, and we can see here his response. He didn't consider God with this healing. No, he wasn't a faithful man, uh, so to speak. Um, so we see the stark differences here between this little girl who was taken captive to the king of Israel, who should have been serving God more than anybody else at this time, but he wasn't. And it happened when Elisha heard, or sorry, Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had tore his clothes, that he sent word to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. See, Elisha's like, hey, calm down. Send him over here to me. Let him know that God's dealing over here, you know, because he's a prophet. You no, know? let him see that there's a prophet here. Let him see the power of God. So Naaman came, or came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your faith will be restored to you and you will be clean. Look at Naaman's response here. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, "Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abin, I'm probably going to butcher these names, but are, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean?" So he turned away in a rage and went away in a rage. So look at that. He was expecting a big show. You know, you got to think about his, his standing and stuff. You know, the general, he thought he'd probably pull up down there to Elisha's house, and Elijah would throw out the red carpet and put on a big show and, and come out there, and, you know, he even said, wave his hands and cure him. Well, that wasn't Elisha's response. His, his response was simple. Hey, go wash in the uh, dip down seven times in the Jordan and be cleaned. Naaman didn't like that answer. He, he was kind of expecting something great and grand. But listen to uh, Naaman's servants' response here. Verse 13, Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father. And look at that, my father. I also think we kind of see a bit of Naaman's character in that statement because we see their admiration towards Naaman. You know, they didn't say, My fearful master or whatever. They said, My father. You know, so they admired the man. But they said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? Look at that. I think sometimes we can respond like Naaman. You know, we're seeking God for an answer. We're seeking God, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe we've been praying for a, a bolder witness, a greater testimony, you know. And so we go to God with these requests, whatever it may be, and then God responds, but it's not the pre-forethought plan that we thought God was going to say. You know, we thought God was going to have us go and do something great. Well, it's a simple thing. Oftentimes, God interacts with his people in the simple things. You know, and those little simple things build into great monumental things that gives God the glory and credit. You know, uh, for example, you know, just just since we mentioned witnessing to the girl, you know, maybe, you know, you are praying for uh, to be a greater witness, you know, a greater testimony, you know, have boldness to share uh, things about God, you know. And so whenever God goes and tries to move on you, you know, maybe he's saying, hey, speak up to this coworker." Oh, maybe you don't get mad, but maybe you just don't do it. Maybe you just quench that, you know, you just kind of put it out, you know. Oftentimes, God isn't going to have us do all these great things. God isn't going to always have us go and, and you know, maybe, you know, we're, we're going along with witnessing. Maybe we're uh, thinking about sharing His Word. Well, maybe God ain't going to have you go and, and speak at this conference. Maybe God isn't going to have you go and be a missionary here. But maybe He's going to have you speak to your relatives, speak to your siblings, you know, speak to your parents, you know, speak to whoever, your co workers, you know, um, your friends. You know, God's going to use you in those little ways for great monumental things for his glory. You know, because here, Naaman, he was expecting a big old show. You know, I'm getting the red carpet service. No, go dip You know, in the river seven times. Well, he got angry. Seems kind of silly, don't it? He said, hey, what about them rivers over in Damascus? They're cleaner than the ones here, and they're cleaner than that Jordan River. You know, it seemed kind of silly to him that God would say it. And his servants say, hey, if he would have asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? You know, if he would have asked you to, to, to slay or, you know, to sacrifice a thousand sheep, I bet Naaman would have done it in a heartbeat like that. But because it was such a simple thing, Naaman didn't want to do it. He wanted to ignore it. You know, he even got angry. You know, I think sometimes in our own lives, when we're praying uh, about certain things, seeking God on certain things, because his response isn't always what we had intended, we kind of just ignore it. Maybe we don't get angry, but we just ignore it. And we miss out on blessings. And, and luckily, Naaman had some servants here that had a little bit of sense, you know. They kind of talked him into us hey. Wouldn't you have done this great thing? But since he's asking you such a simple thing, what are you doing? Verse 14. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Look at that. Such a simple thing, but because of Naaman's obedience, he was cleansed. You know, he was cleansed of his leprosy, you know. And uh, these stories in the Old Testament, you know, um, Naaman's leprosy, hey, it was a very real issue. Um, But I think oftentimes, too, the Old Testament stories can speak to us, I guess you could say metaphorically or symbolically, you know, because Romans 15 and 4 says, you know, for the things that were formerly written through uh, preservance. uh, I don't know it quotely, but uh, basically talking through the study of the scriptures that we can have hope, you know, what scriptures was Paul talking to when Paul wrote that? He was talking about the Old Testament. These stories in the Old Testament can speak things into us and give us encouragement, you know. Like, Naaman had the leprosy here. Yeah, it was a very real issue, but I think also it could be symbolic to sin. You know, Naaman was this great man. He had wealth. uh, Look in verse, you know, uh, 5, when it's talking about all that, you know, the the ten ten talents of silver and the 6,000 shekels of gold. You know, that's a a fortune, really, if you look that up. You know, in in today's money, which the brief search I did, I, I came across a few different things. With today's current value, that's between $2.2 million and $2.9 million worth of uh, treasure that he brought with him. You know, back in these days, you know, he cross-translated to, to their time. It was about a million and a half dollars. But nonetheless, he brought a fortune with him. You know, there's a lesson in that too, which um, we won't really get there. But what I started to say, um, you know, Naaman seemed to have it all. You know, he had money. He had power. He had favor with the king. But yet, because of his leprosy, and I think we can view that symbolically as sin, because of the, you know, the sin, he was defined by that. And it wasn't until his encounter with God to where he was cleansed from that, you know, kind of like us today, you know. Hey, some people, they might seem to have it all. You know, they got money, they got power, they got fame, they got wealth, but yet their sin is still what defines them. You know, and it's not until they have an encounter with God to where they're cleansed from that, just like Naaman with his leprosy. You know, he wasn't cleansed from that until he was obedient to God. He humbled himself and followed God, you know. And I think today, you know, there's a lot of people, hey, they seem to got it all, but dot, dot, dot. And it's not until they encounter God and get rid of that to where a change takes place, because Naaman's going to have a change of heart here. Verse 15. And when he turned to the, when he returned to the man of God with all his company and came and stood before him and he said... Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. So please take a present from your servant now. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will take nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Naam said, if not, please let your servant at least be given two mules a load of earth, for your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings, nor will he sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Look at that. Naaman had a change of heart here. He encountered God, and he knew that there was no God. All them false gods, you know, of Syria, he knew, hey, they're nothing, because there's no other God in all the earth but the God in Israel. You know, and you may think, man, what in the world is up to with loads of dirt he's wanting. Well, in the ancient world, oftentimes when they encountered God, they, they associated with a place. That's why a lot of times in the Old Testament, you know, they built tabernacles and built different uh, memorials, so to speak, for their encounters. So he wanted to take some of the dirt back, probably to go build an altar. Um, and so... Right there, Naaman had a change of heart because of his encounter with God, and it all started back with that little girl who was taken captive. You know, she's really the key player in all this, you know, and, and she's not even mentioned, but if it weren't for her, perhaps none of this would have ever happened. And I'm not going to say God put her in captivity for Naaman's healing, but I believe God orchestrated it in that way to where through her being in captivity, he was healed. Uh, because we know that God was using Naaman because you go back to one, you know, Lord giving him the victory over to Syria, you know, over Israel. You know, again, it's getting back to chastisement. So Naaman, I believe Naaman probably, every secular sense of the word, he is probably a good man. You know, and we can see that he probably wasn't a harsh man because his dealings with the slave girl and such. But yet, he still had issues going on that he got, had to get taken care of. He had that leprosy. And it wasn't until his encounter with God where that leprosy was, was healed. So if I can say anything about this morning, you know, no matter where we are in our circumstances, we can be used by God for great things. Know that thus and thus or thus and so that she spoke to Naaman? I believe it is more than just a a couple words, thus and thus. Because in order for Naaman to go on that journey and travel that far and for the king of Syria to grant him, all right, go ahead, Naaman, go ahead. I bet she often spoke about God. You know, she probably went into detail about who God is, you know, how God interacts with our lives. That's probably how he went to go seek the prophet in the first place. So you and I, you know, we can be witnesses. You know, we're all called to be witnesses. You know, we're all called ambassadors of Christ, you know, uh, in the New Testament, you know, speaking to us today. God doesn't need another missionary. God doesn't need some other uh, person to go start this great thing. He needs you where you're at. And he can use you where you're at to impact the lives of the people that you encounter every day as we go out. Because you're going to see people, and I'm going to see people, that Pastor Kyle may never brush shoulders with. You know, and how are they going to hear about God? You know, how's our coworkers going to hear about God? If we know they're an atheist, we know they don't ever go to a church or anything. They never look up sermons online. How are they going to hear about God? Through you. Through your testimony, you can call someone to get healed, like amen. Now I'm talking. Uh, now I'm talking spiritually healing. You know, saved. You know, they can find salvation in Christ. How? Through you, through your mouth. This little girl, and it's interesting that it says little girl. You know, if you do research on ancient uh, Israel and such, uh, girls were often married between 14 and 16, and men between 17 and 19. So we don't know how old she is. Her age is pretty much irrelevant. But she was probably around 11, 12 years old. I would assume. That's just me talking. But um, even this little girl has such an impact where Naaman was healed. And we think that God can't use us, you know, in these little you know, ways that we think are insignificant. You know, I know oftentimes when we do pray, we probably do have a, an idea of how we want our prayer to be answered. Hey, we want this great thing. You know, put me here, Lord. Oh, Lord's saying no. Stay right here for now. You know, you might get there later, but start right here. You know, so let's be obedient to, to God when he speaks. To what us may seem insignificant, oh, I can't talk to that person. You might be the only person that put in their lives to be a witness to them. So Let's be obedient to God. You know, let's don't respond like Naaman, you know, he got mad and he was furious. No, that's not what I want, you know. Well, don't let us quench God's spirit working in our lives because the answer isn't what we thought. It's not as great as we set in our own minds. How many times did people travel to, to Christ and, you know, traveled many miles and they came to him with an uh, issue or a need? And he said, go, your servant's healed. Go, your daughter's healed. You know, simple, simple words. But yet, the impact was great, wasn't it? It's Because of their faith. You know, so let's try to mimic the faith that this little girl had. Even in her current circumstances, she still cared enough to speak out. She had faith enough to believe that if she could get them to the prophet there, that God would heal him. Let's try not to limit God or, or set standards for God when we're seeking things. Let's be obedient. Even if to us it seems as silly as going and dipping down in a river seven times. Let's respond to God and see what he can do. You know, Every one of us, you know, we're, I know every one of us in our hearts that are here this morning, we care about serving God. We want to serve God. We have that desire in our heart to be his witnesses. So as we're praying and seeking God, let's be obedient to his spirit when he speaks to us. You know, it won't always be what we want. I know my prayers, they're not always answered the way I want them. But if we're obedient in that, let's see what God can do in our lives. See what kind of glory we can bring him with our life. You know, Because it's all about him. We're his servants. You know, it don't have to be some great thing in our mind that we have to do. But no, do the simple things. We can be great men and women of God. We can make great impacts to those around us who we encounter throughout our lives. You know, um, I think sometimes the hardest people to witness to are our families. You know, for whatever reason that is, it's probably a trick, but for whatever reason, but go and, and let your bubble be your missionary field for God. We don't always have to go to Africa. We don't have to do these great things. We don't have to go on some great journey or whatever. Every one of us here where we're at now, we can be used by God for monumental things. And if it wasn't for this girl speaking up, maybe Naaman never never had that encounter with God. You know, But through her speaking up, Naaman was saved. And no telling what he did when he went back to Syria. I mean, he, and the man, man in his position and power, you know, who knows? We know that he goes on to say, you know, hey, he even tells Elijah, you know, the next verses, I won't read it, but he even tells Elijah, hey, You know, when my master, speaking about his king, when he goes into the the God of Raymond and bows down, and I go with him because, hey, I'm his general, just know I'm not bowing down to the God, but I'm worshiping, you know, essentially he's saying he's worshiping um, the God of Israel, and Elijah says, hey, go in peace. So no telling us what he did when he went back or what kind of impact he had. You know, it's an amazing thing how God works. You know, he'll use us, just simple people in simple places, and it has a chain reaction effect. You know, you might go and tell four or five people, you know, win them over to the Lord. And then they just go out and all of a sudden it breaks out. That's how revivals start. Through faith, you know. I know it's a pretty simple message, but I'm going to go ahead and close now. Um, but let's leave here, you know. In our circumstances, we can be a witness. We can see other people have encounterments with God through our testimony. Because everyone in here has a different testimony than what I have. My testimony is different than what you have. We all come from different places, different backgrounds, different upbringings. You know, we're in. And so God can use every one of us for his glory through our testimony. Because the way you met, you, the way you came to faith probably isn't the same way I got saved. And the way I got saved probably isn't the same way that you got saved. And that's okay. Why? Because God doesn't need two of me. The world don't need that either, thankfully. (laughs) But no, in all seriousness, let's go out. Let's be a witness for our Father. You know, let's tell the world of Him. You know, and see what God can do through the lives of the people that we care about. I guess I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. Well, yeah, I'll go ahead and close in prayer. The team comes up. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. And I pray, Father God, that as we leave here today, that just as this unnamed witness with Naaman, that we can go out, Father, and be witnesses of you and how you have interfered in our lives and how you saved us and and what you have brought us through in our own lives. All the times where it seemed impossible, but yet you pulled through, you carried us, Father, when we needed carrying, you saved us, Lord, in our darkest moments, Through your grace, you reached down and you rescued us. And I just pray, Father God, that as we go out, that we can be your tools, your instruments, Father. Because as a song that was sung this morning, you're the artist, you're the potter, and we're the mere canvases and the clay. Use us, Father, for your glory. That is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.